everybody. So we are so excited to be here to talk about the best of independent films 2018. And I'm really excited to have a new co-host that I haven't uh, had on the podcast yet. My uh, my friend, uh, blog, fellow blogger, Orla Smith, is here all the way from London. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is such a treat. Why don't you introduce... Uh, your, yourself to uh, our listeners and uh, tell us a little about about yourself and your blog and whatever else you do. Well, uh, my name is Orla Smith and I um, well, we met each other through Twitter, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, I have, um, I mean, right now I am the associate editor at a site called Seventh Row. So check that out if you want to see most of my stuff because that's where most of it goes uh but yeah when we first started talking I just had a blog and I was just you know Mm. writing my own stuff and done a lot um in the past year uh I've joined Seventh Row I write for BRWC I do several various things but generally it's all film related so yeah that's what I'm interested in that's really awesome uh yeah I, I knew you had gotten some published but I didn't realize it was regular a regular uh, thing that you're doing so that's great congratulations that's really cool uh and you are in london correct mm-hmm. well uh yes around london just outside london mm-hmm. basically for for people who don't live in england to simplify it i live in london okay i understand, I understand. <laughs> yeah. uh well very very cool so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about uh our top five uh independent films to have come out in 2018 uh we just kind of left it up to us to decide what independent meant <laughs> it, can very be vague. Bit, it can be a little vague yeah um were there any honorable mentions that you wanted to that didn't make your top five that you wanted to talk about or well we've we decided not to go with any overlap so there's a couple on your right. list that would be on mine uh, mostly like honorable mentions would be things that um, I decided not to classify as independent films so that I could sort of bring to light other mm. films that wouldn't be as talked about. So like my favorite film of the year is You Were Never Really Here, which I guess mm. is an independent film, but it's also sort of an art house thing that's getting more attention. Mm. It feels of a different type. Um, I really love On Chesil Beach. Um, I haven't seen that yet. I want to yeah, see no, it. it's really good. I've seen it three times now, and it it just gets better, and it's just really, really like an interesting, clever film. Mm. And um, there's several films that came out like in England this year that uh, were out in America and other places last year. We have things mm. like I don't know Columbus, which I really liked. We we had Lady Bird this year. That's an independent film. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think the, the five I've gone with are definitely independent and definitely very good. So, cool. yeah, they are. great. Uh, a couple honorable mentions that I will mention <laughs> is <laughs> uh, a documentary called Minding the Gap, which I really liked. Uh, it's I don't know how they had such foresight to this this guy. He just started from when they were pretty young uh, filming and interviewing his friends. And there's these three skateboarders in uh 
um, in like, I think it's like in Milwaukee or someplace like that. I can't remember. But anyway, and one of them is, uh, uh, I think, Korean American. One of them is African American. And one is Caucasian. And they all have varying sort of experiences with domestic violence in their home. So that kind of becomes also sort of a thread. And who's able to sort of stop that? Who's able to? And they all have different, I don't know, it was, it was really well done and uh, moving and but also felt pretty real and honest. Um, so this one I definitely would recommend uh, checking out. And I also liked a really weird, weird documentary called Genesis 2.0. And it's half of the movie is about these ivory uh, tusk people that are like looking for them. Um, they're looking for uh, ivory in Siberia from woolly mammoths. And, and then the other half is about these, uh, these cloning factories that are starting up in china and it was just it was terrifying i was just like oh my gosh to me that whole idea of and because like these these chinese people are these factories are trying or whatever you call them our labs i guess are trying to get the blood and the other dna from the woolly mammoth tusks to somehow end up cloning and and bringing back the woolly mammoth to life. And that was just like terrifying to me. I was like, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. And they're already like bringing back people's dogs and stuff, but I don't know. It was just, it it was a little boring in spots, I'm not going to lie, but just the whole like concept was just terrifying to me. (laughs) I recommend you get it terrifying. Yeah. It, uh, so I recommend checking it out. Uh, just, (laughs) I don't know. It was crazy. Let's talk about, uh, I'll, I'll give my number five and then you can give yours. Uh, so my number five is a film called eighth grade. And in fairness, this doesn't come out in the, in the States until July. So this is, it's a, it's just one that I saw at Sundance, but I knew you had seen it. So I thought it was fair game. Uh, it doesn't even have a distributor here, so we don't we don't know when it's going to be coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, so this is directed by Bo Burnham. I had never heard of him before I saw this. Uh, evidently, he is a popular comedian. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I wasn't. I I still haven't really seen any of his. But um, uh, it's about this girl played by Elsie Fisher that is in the eighth grade finishing up the eighth grade obviously and uh she is super insecure and i guess part of the reason why i related to it so much is that she's a youtuber (laughs) and she makes all these videos about how to be confident and how to be and 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 yet she is super unconfident and super insecure and i thought that it was really emotionally true and a lot of times these coming of age movies even I don't know, even ones I respect and admire, they don't really connect with me because I feel like they're, they're too caustic and, and too mean. Like, I, I know that teenagers can be a handful, but I don't know, I just don't relate to that, like, that kind of being mean as a teen. Like, yeah, you're being contrary, but I don't know. They just take it a, te- a lot of times a step too far. Like, 
for me, I respected what Edge of 17 did, but I just don't connect with that kind of coming of age story. I connect with more of the stories of something like Sing Street or something like that's more sort of positive. <laughs> um, and this, I thought that it did a really good job of sort of straddling that in between. Like she definitely had her contrarian things, but then there were also these really sweet, really um, heartfelt moments where you're really rooting for her. And I felt like it was very true to our time and the way that we use the internet and the way that we talk about social media, all that stuff felt true. Whereas like there was a movie called the Duff a few years ago where it was fine. It was perfectly fine. But like the thing about it is that in this one scene in the Duff, this girl gets this super embarrassing video plastered all on YouTube and everyone in the school knows. And the attitude of the movie was like, just own it, just deal with it. Like it was just really weird to me and it didn't feel like authentic. Like I'm, I don't think I'm that out of touch with teenagers that like, I just didn't feel authentic that it would just be like, yeah, no big deal. Who cares? You've just been publicly humiliated. Um, and this felt more authentic to the way that we use social media and YouTube and everything. So I really liked it. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of Bo Burnham before I watched it. Um, I catched up with some of his stand-up last year, and he's he's really interesting because um, he's very young, and he um, but he he he's doing this kind of stand-up that's not like anything I've seen. So some of his specials are on Netflix, mm. and it's less just standard, um, you know, talking to a crowd, and it's more it's something quite creative and cinematic. So it makes sense that he would make a film because he does songs as part of his stand-up and sometimes like when I hear that comedian does songs it makes me groan and like I know they're going to be kind of embarrassing but his are completely different they're so funny and he incorporates it with standard stand-up and he uses like light and sound uh, in really creative ways and he's almost sort of deconstructing what we think of a stand-up set so he's already thinking almost like a filmmaker and this is his first film he's like directed um but it is it's really funny as you'd expect from a comedian um mm. but it's also really well made as well like i think he uses um he uses almost like he depicts like middle school using sort of horror filmmaking techniques yeah so there'll be like slow zooms and synth music that you might find in like a film like it follows and um but it's it's like to show like a girl going to like uh, a pool party at like the cool kid's house and she's really scared and he's using the same techniques and he's making like these really small experiences really huge because they feel really huge to her and they're a huge source of anxiety and I mean she's so awkward but like in a very relatable way and I think this film like is going to be it's going to really connect with people and I think it's quite marketable mm -hmm. so hopefully when it comes out people are actually going to see it because I think that um it is really it's it's like almost painfully relatable in a in a way that we rarely see it's in such a detailed way mm -hmm. yeah and I really loved it. I loved her relationship with her dad in it as yeah, well yeah. it was so sweet um and like Josh Hamilton is really good in it and he gives a monologue in the film that had everyone in the audience crying when they watched it um so yeah uh, I really love this film as well I saw it about a week or two ago and I already really really want to see it again 
because mm-hmm. it yeah. is very yeah yeah you make a really good point about the sort of the horror sort of techniques like i hadn't really thought about that but i can totally see what you're saying and i you, she she got he got a debut talent in this elsie uh, at, at Sundance she was there and she talked about it and it was really funny because she said that she didn't get the lead part in her high school play yeah. <laughs> she got I heard part, about that yeah which was funny and uh, she, she was just delightful and I don't know I just felt like they did a such a good job of balancing tone like mm. that's so hard <laughs> in any movie to do but especially uh I don't know something like this like there were so many spots where i was like oh no oh no they're gonna go oh no they didn't yeah. <laughs> that would have like made it too dark or made it too like too silly like i feel like they just nailed it uh mm-hmm. in that regard so i i do hope people see it it is it, I, it probably will be rated r but i feel like it's pretty accurate to the way like yeah. the way yeah. that is you know it's weird that yeah people that age might not be able to see it even though it is like really really accurately depicting i also think it's interesting that bo burnham is someone who's who who owes his career to like youtube and i mean he was youtuber originally before he was a yeah that's how he got famous and he's making a film sort of about the dangers of the internet but it's not in a really preachy way that's like you you shouldn't use the internet because he like i said he owes his career to the internet so it's sort of the first film that we have that is um, about sort of the, the ups and downs of the internet by someone who's really like from that world, not just looking at it from out the outside. Yeah, because nothing that she's doing is really like bad or really even hurting her. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know, like she just needs to not be in a spot where she's giving advice to other people she just needs to be working on herself like it's just not it's like it's not the right time for her to be doing yeah. that is is more the problem and uh i don't know she just uh she just needs she just needs to be a kid i think that's the yeah. uh she's be listening to other people's advice not giving out advice and uh so yeah it it's it's really good i think that um i think that people will really like it if they give it a shot so uh, what do you have as your uh, number five? Well, this is sort of number five because of what it is rather than number five because of quality. Right. Um, but it, it's uh, The Burden, which is a short film. Um, and because it's a short film, I've just stuck it at the end. But it, it, I mean, I don't really know how to sort of think about it in comparison to other films, not just because it's a short film, but because it's so weird and different. Yeah. And I don't really know exactly how to describe it. Um, but, I mean, this also played at Sundance London as part of the short program, but I'm not exactly sure where you can see it. Um, it will probably come online at some point this year, but it's this, I think, Swedish film about 20 minutes long it's animated it's stop motion animation it's a musical all the characters are animals and they sing in auto-tune um so you have i think there's fish in a long stay motel there's tap dancing mice who like work in a diner there's there's monkeys who work in a call center and then something at the end like i can't remember what animal it is like in a shopping center and um like i said they all sing about like their mortality 
in auto-tune in Swedish um, while doing like a very elaborate dance move mm-hmm. and it's very strange it's nothing like anything I've ever seen before but somehow it just works uh, it's very funny but also mm-hmm. like it, it, yeah, I, I, I can't, I don't really know how to put into words what the film is doing, but I think it's just like very, very clever and fun and yeah, interesting and good. And yeah, like I said, hopefully people do see it because it's very obscure and weird, but I promise that you'll get something from it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I was really glad you picked this because first I didn't recognize the name, but then I looked, I was like, oh yeah, because I saw this and this was definitely the highlight of the animation at Sundance. Uh, they, I didn't like either of the feature films. Uh, they're actually at the bottom of my list um, for what I've seen so far in 2018, just because they both kind of either were like, I figured like the worst thing a movie can do is if I'm like literally physically nauseous and like... <laughs> And then second is if it like offends me, <laughs> like that's worse to me than, and I'm not easily offended, but, but anyway, the, the, the white fang movie was just, I thought exploitative and I, I, I didn't like that. Um, and uh, so those are my worst of the year so far. So I was like, Oh man, this is rough. Sundance <laughs> animation. And, and in 2017, I was really disappointed in the animation shorts because it felt like everyone was trying to be Don Hertzfeld. And that's yeah. what you get sometimes when something like that hits, you know, that everyone's trying to be surrealist and everyone's trying to be all, you know, obtuse and whatever. <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of annoying. And so I went into this kind of with low expectations and there were three out of, I thought that I thought were good. And, and the burden was my favorite of them all. And it's so funny. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, those fish scene about dating is just hilarious. <laughs> and the song, I I like the little song. It's very catchy. Yeah. 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 And the monkeys in the call center. Uh, you got tap dancing mice. It was just. It is weird, but in the delightful ways. I think it was really. Yeah, fun. The choreography is really good on yeah. the like tiny stop motion animals. <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was really fun i hope that they that gets them noticed and we get to see more from them because i don't know it was just delightful i, I think everybody will enjoy it yeah it's very sweet too i mean i i think they're just i don't know i don't know what exactly it's trying to say but yeah. something something about finding the joy in day-to-day life i guess i think <laughs> so <that's laughs> <trying to say. laughs> yeah what yeah if you watch it work it out for yourself and yeah. if you work out what it's saying tell us yeah let us know if you, yeah. if you but the, it, it's it's a good one i'm glad you picked it yeah. all right so uh my number four is uh a another animated film and it's called sergeant stubby an american hero <laughs> <laughs> and it's the kind of movie that it's easy to just sort of dismiss it because it's like not from one of the major studios and it's not distributed by G kids or, you know, one of the major independent distributors. I, I don't know. It's just, and it's about a dog and usually animal animated movies about animals can be pretty bad. And, um, but 
I'm telling you, this movie is really good. Uh, it, they do so many things right that so many that there were so many spots where it could have gone completely off the rails, but then they make the right choice. Like for instance, they don't have the dog talk. None of the animals talk, and that would have been so easy to do in an animated film to try to make it like more appealing to kids or whatever but they don't it's just a cute little doggy and um uh i don't know there were a lot of moments like that and i thought the animation was pretty darn good for just a little company out of atlanta and it tells the true story of this dog in world war one that was actually given the the uh the ranking of sergeant <laughs> believe it or not and uh and in his various he has this bond with this uh soldier played by logan lerman and i thought it was so good at like being showing war enough but not like being too traumatizing for kids but being honest about it while also uh, not being it's not like a rah 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 america kind of movie which could have been easy to do it uh i don't know it's just uh, it's the kind of movie that i think kids will go they'll learn a lot and they'll have questions and i thought that like there's one scene at the end where the armistice has been signed but it doesn't go into an effect until noon that afternoon and so they're still fighting literally up until noon and then that's it and like the narrator says i don't know why they went out that morning i don't know but there was a price to be paid and i thought that was like really truthful to just admit to kids i don't know why they made this terrible choice you know we don't know I, and I, as opposed to just being sort of a i always appreciate that when when a movie can be truthful to kids about like we don't know why they did this this was bad <laughs> and anyway I, I i really thought it was just so sweet and so cute but also truthful and showed enough of the war to be um to not be glamorizing in any way in my opinion and everybody i've recommended to has really enjoyed it so and everybody has gone into it being like sergeant stubby <laughs> they actually they actually like it <laughs> they give it a shot yeah um, i hadn't even heard of it so yeah uh and I, it's one i can definitely picture being a part of curriculums and it's it's cool because it's the um the hundred year anniversary of the end of world war one so this could definitely be a useful tool pick um my next pick is a film called oh lucy which uh, again, like I've in the UK and uh, I don't know when or if this is ever going to get released here. Um, I saw it last September at the Rain Dance Film Festival in London um, and it came out in March, I think, in the US. So it is out there somewhere for you to see. But it premiered at Cannes last year and it's a, it premiered out a competition and it's a Japanese film which stars Josh Hartnett as well. Uh, Josh Hartnett in Japan. He plays, well, the main character is this woman, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's very, very good. And she's sort of a middle-aged woman who's going through a midlife crisis. She works in an office and she feels kind of purposeless. And she goes to take 
English classes. She was in, I think she was in Tokyo. She goes to take English classes and the teacher is Josh Hartnett. And um, it, that's where it starts off. And that's sort of what I knew of the film before uh, going in, but it's not sort of just like a comedy of these English classes. It goes in other directions. It takes the Josh Hartnett character in different directions. Um, but most of all, it's just a really, again, I don't remember much about the film since I saw it last mm. September, but I think that this is a film that shouldn't go under the radar. But it's, firstly, it's um, a sort of a comedy about a middle-aged woman who take, that takes her seriously. And it's really, it doesn't make, it's funny, but it doesn't make fun of her. And she is, a, like, the actress is very, very, like, compelling in, like, yeah compelling but also funny and, and great and I don't know the, it's it's a, a very clever film I think um, and mostly just enjoyable but you'll get something out of it and yes I recommend it mm-hmm. yeah I actually just watched it today it is available to stream uh, if people are interested uh, uh, on uh, uh, in America so you can watch it and I I really enjoyed it. it. It definitely, I feel like it, it's, I kind of wish it had stayed in Japan. I feel like uh, some of the stuff doesn't quite work as well in this. Yeah, it's much it more like sprawling geographically than I expected. I expected yeah. it to be this kind of very sort of contained independent film, but it is like, it crosses the globe. Yeah. And I, I but I thought that I agree with you about her. I thought that she was great in the lead she was really sweet and easy to relate to and someone who is obviously just so in need of like human touch and human contact you know and uh that that it was really i don't know just i felt like it was true how fall she how fast she kind of fell for this guy because she's just so lonely and uh, I think they did a good job, but but not portraying loneliness while not um, being patronizing about it. Like the movie isn't patronizing to her, which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah. But she was great, and I, Josh Hartnett. Who knew? <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't expect to see him here. Yeah. <laughs> My next pick is a documentary <laughs> called "Won't You Be My Neighbor," uh, and this is about uh, Fred Rogers, who is the host of a program called "Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood." And have you ever heard of this show? Do they have it over there at all? I don't think it's as big of a thing because I've heard of him, but I, I don't really know anything about it. And I, I've heard, heard about this film and everyone talking about it as a sort of nostalgic thing. And yeah, I, I don't have much of a reference point yeah. for it. I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel as far as like a documentary with talking heads talking about a character. I mean, not a character, talking about a person. We've seen a million of those, and it's it's very similar to like the they had a a, a documentary about El, the Elmo actor, and they had a documentary about the Big Bird actor who, uh, and kind of feels somewhat similar to that. But I think that it'll be interesting to see if you do get to see it what you think having not been not having the nostalgic connection with the show like so many of us do because i still think it's an interesting depiction of 
what one person that just loves he's just there to love and like what a difference that makes in people's lives and uh there's some really really touching moments uh one of my favorites is there's uh, a whole segment where pbs is starting to lose uh public television is uh threatened to lose funding and there's this really kind of curmudgeonly congressman uh who is who's overseeing these hearings and he tells people he tells the people he says i'm tired of hearing all your scripted scripted uh speeches i don't want to hear these speeches anymore and uh he's basically just saying like i'm not the funding is not going to happen like i this is just he's just a grumpy guy and so fred fred rogers gets up there and he talks about how his his uh what he thinks is the most important thing is you can tell a child that he is matters and that he that they are special just being the way that they are and that that's something that his program basically can do and that's what he sort of his mission in life is to tell children that they are loved and he he says this speech and uh from his heart and the curmudgeonly congressman says well i think that's great <laughs> you got your funding and he got the funding. <laughs> like, oh my gosh it was so exciting <laughs> so uh, and i mean i think in the days of like me too where it seems like every uh public figure slash you know actor celebrity whatever has this like dark side that we're learning about and uh you know whatever it's i feel like they tried to like find things bad about him but like they really couldn't and he he really seemed to talk the talk and walk the walk of what he did and i don't know so i think i think even people that aren't invested in the show will still be moved by it and will still like it my number three is the party which is an interesting one for the UK release date thing because usually as I've been saying you get things way way later than everything else but with this one it came out last year last October and it's only just now come out in the US a couple of months ago but it's uh, a film by Sally Potter who is a very famous uh, like well-established director who's been around for decades who I hadn't seen any of her films before so that's kind of a a gap in my knowledge this was the first one and the first thing that you should know about the film is that it's only 17 minutes long which is always mm-hmm. a plus yeah but even if you don't <laughs> like it you've wasted basically none of your life right um that's always like the number one selling point for film is under 90 minutes that's the first thing you tell me and this is like just over 70 so it's, it's, ba- it's basically just over an hour um and it's a it's in black and white. Uh, it has this like amazing ensemble of actors who I love. Like it's led by Kristen Scott Thomas, Killian Murphy's in it, Timothy Spall, Patricia Clarkson, all these people who are great. And uh, it's set just uh, almost in real time at a dinner party, and it is set against this sort of political backdrop. With Kristen Scott Thomas has just been elected as something 
and she is hosting a dinner party for all her friends and colleagues to just come together and celebrate that uh, and things kind of go a bit badly and I think that the fact that it's set against a political backdrop sort of implies that it's got all these political ideas and I think that it's not like completely devoid of that but also I, I, that's not why I like the film at all like mm-hmm. I didn't really take much from it in terms of its ideas about politics or anything like that because I don't think it has a whole lot to say about that I mean I've only seen it once and I might get more from it the second time I mostly just really enjoyed it as almost firstly like a technical exercise but technical exercise in, in comedy I just found it a, like really really funny in this um, I mean a lot of comedies we get nowadays are just I mean I, I don't really respond to them and I just rely on sort of tired verbal jokes and I tend to avoid them but this is sort of almost like I don't want to say old-fashioned but it's sort of classically sometimes almost slapstick comedy it really uses the camera I mean the way she shoots things is so dynamic and I mean one of the funniest things about the film is just like the first 20 minutes you just keep cutting back to these close-ups of Timothy Spall's face um, just sitting on this chair in the middle of his living room just like with this like utterly drained expression on his face and just like the close-ups of his face are hilarious and I just mostly just had like, such a great time with it last year and I do really want to revisit it. Uh, yeah so I saw this today as well and I must admit I didn't really get it uh, I, I, it's it's uh, really well cast. They all do a great job. Uh, I love Kristen Scott Thomas. She's one of my favorites. Uh, mm. She's great. And but I don't know. I just didn't laugh that much. I felt like I, I felt like I was missing something that like, I don't know. I just felt like I I was supposed to be laughing, but I wasn't laughing. And I think and, this has divided people a lot. And I think it's just because. I think because it's it's based so much of like whether you find it funny. Yeah, sense of humor is so um, subjective. Like I said, I don't really respond to a lot of comedies, like yeah, American studio comedies. And maybe it's it's a similar thing with this. Like that's not my sense of humor, and this isn't your sense of humor. So I think it's really subjective. It is. It's really subjective. I thought the funniest parts for me were with the lesbian and the triplets they there i thought that that was funny (laughs) they're yeah i don't know all the sort of jabs and it's very like dry and uh and producer clarkson i thought had some funny moments yeah some funny jabs um i don't know though uh yeah but in it it does look I, i can totally see why but yeah, humor is definitely the most subjective of all the different uh, different types of entertainment. <laughs> My next choice is a movie called Lean on Pete. Which I've seen. Yes. So this is directed by Andrew Hay, who I think hasn't made a bad movie. Like he's just mm. so consistent in making yeah. tremendous films. And I loved 45 years. I thought that was just, I don't know. I, I was just bawling. I just really responded emotionally to it. 
mm-hmm. um, to her performance and her character. And it reminded she reminded me a lot of my grandma, actually, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, and uh, I just thought it was beautiful movie. And I think that this is beautiful as well. And I mean, devastating, but beautiful. I, it, I mean, it looks gorgeous. And it's about this... I mean, you know, but it's about this kid named Charlie who uh, various things happen that he ends up running away with this horse that is going to be sold to these bad people. And uh, he, you know, meets all these these various people along the way. Uh, You really get a sort of a, it's one of those movies that gives you like the, the feeling of America now in 2018 uh, it feels very authentic it feels very real um i thought that charlie Plummer did a great job yeah. as the lead he's i mean i thought he was one of the best things about all the money in the world definitely and yeah he is great here like he's definitely one of the most talented younger actors that we have working today in my opinion and there's a couple scenes in here where that are just I thought were just devastating and it's one of those movies that i just is i saw it and i liked it but then i just it's like stayed in the back of my head just like i just keep thinking about it and thinking about little scenes like there's a scene where he is gonna dine and dash and he gets Mm -hmm. caught and the the at the end the waitress is just like just let him go you know and i don't know that whole scene was just like so interesting to me and moving and I could just picture this waitress who obviously doesn't have like the the greatest job in the world just being like this person is starving and I'm not going to let him go to jail. Like it it reminded me a lot of Hell or High Water, which I really loved. Uh but I don't know, I might even like this better. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is high praise. I don't uh well, I've seen it twice now. And, oh yeah. Um, yeah, I saw it. I mean, I, the funny thing is I saw it last October at the London Film Festival. And I was so excited for it because Andrew Hayes is one of my favorite directors. Yeah. And I've seen everything he's ever done. Well, I haven't seen a TV show, actually. Well, I've seen all his movies. Yeah. And uh, I love Weekend so much. And I, I even like his debut that no one's seen called Greek Peak, which is much more rough around the edges than his other stuff. But I liked it. And then Weekend, I just adore. And 45 Years is great. So I was so excited for this. And I went to the, made sure I got to the premiere because I knew it wasn't going to come out till late this year. I needed to get a chance to see it. And I was actually waiting to go into the premiere and I was just like standing around minding my own business. And I looked to my left and I realized that the guy standing next to me that whole time had been Andrew Hay. No way. And, yeah. And then he was just talking to his friends and he walked past me and his coat brushed my coat. And I was like, I've been touched by filmmaking genius. And then we went in and I watched it and it's, I think it to me was less, like you said, it's less immediately brilliant than some of his other films. It, ta- mm-hmm. it takes a while to kind of get under your skin. Um, and I even found the same thing when I watched it again in February or March. Mm. And because um, what I think it is a really grueling film because um it's about two hours and you're following this character who you feel so much empathy for because he's just this like little boy and Charlie Palmer is so amazing. And um, 
a lot of it is just him like really really struggling and he has a goal of where he's going but for a lot of the time you know, you doubt whether he's going to get there because everything he goes through is so arduous and it is really it's kind of a tough watch um yeah but it's almost like immersive in that way because you're going through the same thing that the character's going through there's sort of this point in the middle of the film where it feels like i just wish that this can get to the end because you want you know you want what is possibly going to be at the end for him and you want him to get where he wants to go yeah and you want to just kind of rush through that bit but that is um he's replicating the experience of the character and it might not be like pleasurable to use an audience member but it does have this massive catharsis at the end because I mean I can't even think yeah. of the final few scenes of the film without crying right it's, it's so powerful and it's so um, and I think that's why it kind of grows on you afterwards because you've been through an experience with a character and yeah. you feel what he feels because it's immersive you've gone through that too you've gone through how like arduous it is for him and then you felt like the massive relief at the end like the massive catharsis and if you, if you really really do feel it at the end um so yeah I, I I've actually like to give context to what I do at seventh row sometimes when we really like a film we do sort of a special issue on it so uh-huh. we dedicate like a week to articles and we did one for me and Pete and that meant I got to um I got to interview that I mean we as a whole interviewed Andrew Haig we interviewed Oh my the editor, gosh. the DP, and we interviewed the production designer, and I got to interview the DP and the production designer. And um, okay. so I've, yeah, I've been like completely like immersed in this film for a bit, and um, but talking to them really just revealed just how detailed the film is. I mean, so much went into it. It's very subtle, so yeah. there's all these details that you wouldn't really notice, but they've put so much thought and care into it, and Andrew Hague is such a collaborative director, and I mean, he's just amazing, and I love him, and this is, yeah, a, yeah fantastic film. Uh, it, it sounds, it's such a cliche, but it really <laughs> did feel like a triumph of the human spirit by the end. You're just like, he did it! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> felt so happy for him yeah you're... what do you have next well my next one is also another film that i i feel a lot of people won't have heard of because it is very under the radar too it was last year's um spanish language submission for the foreign language oscar uh-huh. um, and it's called summer 1993 uh-huh. and i sort of saw this on a whim I and mean, it wasn't even because anyone had recommended it to me or i'd heard good things uh Basically, I saw it at London Film Festival last year and get the program and look through it every year when it comes out. And one of the sections I always skip to is they um, they have about they have like a competition for debuts. So they select about 12 debuts and um, they're very well curated from sort of the festival program of the last year. So, and that section like in particular is one I always love because um, they've, like I said, they, they've really well chosen and you always find these really fascinating, new and exciting films by new directors there. So I went to it and the picture for this one looked interesting. So I watched it and uh, it's really fantastic. And I've been trying to get people to watch it. Um, and it's hard to get people to watch films that they, they haven't heard of, like they haven't heard one thing about. But it does come out, I think, next 
month or soon and um it's this very sort of uh, quiet and subtle look at uh, how children process grief so it's set just after this six-year-old girl's parents have died you don't see her parents starts immediately after well not immediately but it starts as she's um sort of wandering around her house and her family is packing up her things so she can go move in with her aunt and uncle and their about five-year-old daughter um and it's this really um like a lot of films about children can seem patronizing or they'll be from the perspective of adults it's completely from her perspective it's from the six-year-old's perspective and she doesn't talk much and she's very quiet and it's a very not at all patronizing look at sort of loneliness in children and like how they deal with grief how they think about grief because she can't really process what death is mm. but she's having to kind of deal she's having these emotions to do with the loss of her parents but she has no idea what they mean or how to process them or and she's not completely aware of the fact that they're not going to come back and you see her coming to terms with that and throughout the whole film it's this very complete and um really empathetic and look at the process that a child might go through for that and um yeah it's really sort of astonishing for a debut and this director is called Carla Simon I'm really excited to see what she does because, yeah, it's mm. it's a very small film and it's a very intimate film. But it, I I saw it in September and I'm still thinking about it and it's still mm. like definitely one of my standouts of the year. That's really cool. I I have not seen this one. I actually hadn't heard of it, uh, and it's not streamable yet, so I can watch it today. And it, but it sounds great. I'm really excited to see it. I'm definitely going to see it when i when i as soon as i can my number one indie so far this year is a movie called leave no trace and i have really disliked movies that are like about people that are off the grid uh i didn't i was not a big fan of captain fantastic and i was not i i really hated the glass castle i yeah not for me not for me and uh, i just i really don't like when they paint these people that oftentimes are being terrible people and super abusive and not good they paint them in, in these heroic lights just because they're choosing like choosing something different that doesn't mean that they're necessarily good and uh anyway but i thought that this movie was the first one that actually got it right that he's like because it's about this father and daughter who are living off the grid and it's not because it's not really because he chose it necessarily it's just that he like can't he can't function like he's like he's not a he's certainly not portrayed as a hero and he's not but you have great empathy for him but he's not a um this is a wounded person who can't function in society um and so that's why he's living this way uh, because of his ptsd and he, you know his daughter's kind of brought along for the ride and played beautifully by thomason mckinley mm -hmm. she was McKenzie, um, yeah. yeah she was phenomenal as this teen girl who starts to she gets several different opportunities to kind of see what she's missing 
Um, I thought that the dialogue felt very true. I, Deborah Granick, I really liked Winter's Bone, uh, but I think this might even be better. I, I just thought that their relationship felt really true. And, uh, and I don't know, just had so many moments where I was really invested. And at the end, she, when she makes a decision that I was just like, yeah, that was so brave. <laughs> good, good job. Um, and uh, so I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. It was the highlight of Sundance for me. Uh, and it comes out at the, uh, I think in small markets here at the end July, of June or yeah. Oh, June, July. Yeah. yeah. So people should go out and see it. It was really moving. And um, uh, I just really liked it. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw this about a week or two ago at the Sundance London. And I, I do really feel like I, I want to see it again and I want to really think about it because it is it's this very, like I said, there's a lot of these films, very subdued films. It's very observational. It's just about observing these two characters and it's so, so like perceptive about them and about their relationship. I mean, it deals with this father-daughter relationship in such a clever way. And I think, I mean, the main thing about it is that Thomas and Mackenzie is just such a compelling presence and yeah. that film really relies on her being like you wanting to watch her and watch her think and watch her experience new things and sort of take in what that means for her and what that means for her relationship with her father and Ben Foster's really great too and um yeah I mean their dynamic it is really compelling and Deborah Granick make manages to make like something so simple as just these two people and the way they interplay really really uh fascinating to watch the way she I, I like Winter's Bone as well but I feel like um I didn't connect with it as much as I did this film like that this film really really I think works on all levels you have as your number one so far okay, well, my number one is also a film I saw about a week and a half ago at Sundance London and it's actually the film that won the Grand Jury Prize at like January Sundance, uh, which is The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which was the film that I was most looking forward to from Sundance London, because I really, really love uh, Desiree Ackerman, who's the director. I really loved her last film, Appropriate Behaviour. Uh, but that film is very different from this film, because that film is sort of a, a light sort of comedy uh, about like, you know, like a like a graphic yellow film. Or I don't want to really bring up Woody Allen, but people did bring up Woody Allen, and um, it's sort of like just just really driven by one character who she played. Walking around the city is really it's well made, but it's casually made. Whereas this film is a really uh, incredibly scripted, structured, um, like a, like directed film that is uh, just really really impressive on another level. And it's set in a gay conversion therapy camp. And the star is Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's sort of just about her um, going to this place and it being a place that's very, very hostile. And the film is partially about exposing just how horrible those places are, but also about the friendship that between her and these two other people in the camp which is mm -hmm. Sasha Lane who was a breakout from American Honey and Forrest Goodluck who 
you may know as Leonardo DiCaprio's son in The Revenant. And yeah. both of them are, everyone in this film is amazing to start with. Um, Jennifer L is the very sinister, but like passive-aggressively sinister, uh, like leader of the camp. Um, and the way she really manipulates people is so, it's so sinister and the way she plays it is great. And John Gallagher Jr. is in it. Uh, it's got this great cast. And those three central people, I mean, Sasha Lane is always so compelling. Forrest Goodback is great. The thing about Chloe Grace Moretz is that I've always been, um, I've always been sort of on and off about her acting. I think people really, really hate her. And I've always felt kind of protective of her because it must be so hard to be a child star sort of growing up in the industry and be so scrutinized. And for people to, I mean, people really hate her on a personal level. And um, even though I never thought she was sort of the greatest actress, I never thought that she was so bad to like, inspire such hatred. And I think I'm like really happy that now we have this performance, which is actually genuinely like incredible. What's interesting about it is that it's adapted from this book that I haven't read, but I've heard about. And it's apparently very good. And the book is set over, I think, a decade. And it's very long. It's about 400, 500 pages. And it's set over this long expanse of time. And the film is set over what seemed like a couple of weeks and it's 90 minutes long. So it's a very, very radical adaptation. And what I heard out of Sundance was that most people who hadn't read the book really loved it, and a lot of people who had were disappointed with it. So if you oh, like, yeah, yeah, if you like the book, then try to treat this as a completely separate object. I think it's doing different things. From what I gather about the book is it's, following this character sort of coming of age arc over a long period of time and seeing her kind of grow and develop. And what this film is doing is very different. It's taking this very specific point in her life and sort of documenting the small details of this turning point in her life where she meets this group of friends and she starts to kind of turn corner in her life from this state where she's kind of stagnant and unable to kind of find her identity. And then by finding this group of friends, it's in a very, very dark place, still very uplifting because uh, it's about finding a small group of people um, that help you get through that incredibly dark place. Mm -hmm. So it's set in the most extreme circumstances, but um, the film is, yeah, it's, it's a film that um, because of its, looking at this very small part of her life, this very short part of her life and what happens within it, it ended quite abruptly and you really love the characters, you really fall in love with them. Really, uh, it leaves you wanting more. I think it does leave at the right place, um, but it is a very concise film. It does what it needs to do and it gets out of there and it, yeah, I, I really loved it. It's going to be one of my favourites of the year. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's out in August. I remember seeing it uh, at Sundance, but it just didn't work into my schedule. I remember seeing it advertised at Sundance, but it didn't work in my schedule. I didn't realize that that she was so unpopular. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't seen that many movies with her. I the the Fifth Wave was uh, not good, <laughs> but um, but I think that we can excuse most uh, 
of these starlet hollywood starlets for being in some bad ya movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> took, done it. i mean it took down kristen stewart and chloe grace yeah. morass and shailene woodley like we we can we can <laughs> <laughs> few came out unscathed yeah. I, I like hugo very much yeah and Pretty good yeah and she's in five days of summer which i love and she's also in bolt uh, which <laughs> the Disney film, which I love. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't realize that she was so hated. Uh, but um, uh, but yeah, this sounds really good. It sounds really true. And, uh, you know, sometimes movies that are like this can get a little message heavy. Um, and it comes from a good place, but it can just get a little, a little much. But, uh, but this sounds like it does good character work and mm-hmm. good... Uh, so i'll definitely have it on my to watch list for sure so great well i think these are uh some pretty pretty good films that people should check out uh some pretty good recommendations uh and um, some good variety and uh we'd love to know from our listeners uh you can uh you can follow talk to us on twitter or in the comment section whatever let us know what indies you've seen this year that you've liked and if you've seen any of these, or if you do see them, uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your your perspective. And thanks so much for coming on and doing this. This was really fun. And hopefully we get in. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I hope we get to do it again. Uh, so where can people find you on yeah. social media or your um uh, your publication you write for? Uh, uh, well, on Twitter you can find me at Ola Mango and. You can find my writing mostly at Seventh Row. Seventh Row. So, yeah, go check that out. Okay, I will have links to all that in the description section. You definitely want to check out. Uh, you want to definitely want to follow Orla in her writing, and uh, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube, and at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. I'd love to have have you follow me, and uh, let's talk movies. It'll be really fun. And uh, so, thanks again. I really appreciate it, and. Um, Uh, Yeah. And we will talk again soon. Bye. Bye.